is the running back. Play action. And Manning's going to heave one. Is, oh, there's a flag. Beckham a one-handed catch. How in the world? Oh, my goodness. And Brandon Carr was back there. I mean, he is insane. How do you make that catch? Oh, my goodness. This is sick. Put this to music. That was, of course, that one-handed catch from Odell Beckham Jr. when he was playing for the New York Giants, and that's a, a new recurring thing I'll start doing at the beginning of each podcast episode. Just sticking a classic, iconic NFL moment, because why not? But without further ado, welcome to episode four of the Prattling Pigskin. I know it's been a while, but I have a great guest in the shape of coach Rick Ayub today. Rick Ayub is the head coach of the London Olympians and the former head coach of the GB Lions. He's one of the most knowledgeable men I've ever spoke to in regards to this game. And if Britball is your thing, this is not an episode to be missed. If you do enjoy these, what we're doing over here at UK Pigskin, please do give us a like and share. It helps us out massively. But less of my ramble. And as always, grab your brew and enjoy the show. Joining me today is Coach Rick Ayub. A man that has been coaching since the 80s, is currently head coach of the London Olympians, previously head coach of the Great British Lions. And I think it's fair to say you're a bit of a Brit ball legend, aren't you? So uh, welcome to the show, uh, Rick. How are you doing? Thank you very much. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Under, under the conditions that's going on, you know, we're trying to get back to some kind of normality, but I'm doing good. Absolutely good to hear. So basically, we'll start off with yourself so for the, for the people that don't know you just tell me a bit about yourself just how did it all begin for you and what how did you end up being a well not an NFL head coach but an American football coach it started for me in uh, in 82 you know I was training to be an optician uh, I worked at a, a shop that was in Streatham and about uh, 30 40 yards away there was a gym called the Streatham Olympians and I used to go in there and they had a team uh, Long story short, I ended up going out for a practice with them on Streatham Common and just got hooked, just got totally, totally hooked on it, uh, much to the dismay of my parents. Uh, you know, all of a sudden I, I'd gone into something, they, they tried to keep me away from contact sports and uh, mm. there, there I was in uh, probably uh, next to rugby, you know, one of the most uh, collision-driven sports there are. Well, you just said to me actually before we came on, on camera that um you're not actually a big watcher of the game so uh, trying to interlink those two things how 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 did that how can you i don't for me that's something obviously because i love football both uh our football soccer and i love playing it and same with america the only reason i wouldn't be on the playing side of american football is because i'm just not built for it to be honest with you but i I love watching it and I, i don't I've spoke to athletes in the past. So, um, for example, I know a snooker player that doesn't enjoy. He, he's a professional snooker player, but he, he won't watch snooker. And f- those mm. two things don't kind of compute to me. So, like, how how does uh, how have you found yourself in that position? Well, well, just just to make sure I get the PR right for American football, almost any size can play the game because you need different sizes for different positions. All right, it's just. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just to you know, make sure people understand they can get involved regardless. Um, I think it's because I don't treat it as a hobby. For me, it's a passion that has come as close to being professional as I can. Uh, and, and part of that is that 
when I watch a game, I go into coaching mode straight away. And that goes not just for American football. It goes for a lot of sports. When I'm sitting down and watching them, I start looking at how they move, what they're doing, why aren't they doing this, and so on. And instead of enjoying it, it becomes a, you know, I'm zoned in. So watching American football became really, really tough for me. I watch our games. I watch to critique. I watch to learn. But I don't watch as a fan. I find it very difficult. I'm not a fan of our sport, if I could say it that way. Um, and and the, the only explanation I have is that I don't get the enjoyment that I see other people. I get the enjoyment of watching plays and so on. And, uh, and I prefer watching college football because there you have a little bit more of the rawness, the mistakes that are made or so on. Whereas I, I, I sort of look at the NFL as quite a science. There, you know, there are less mistakes. There are mistakes. If you look for them, you'll find them. But it's uh, more refined, more well-tuned, etc. So, uh, so I have more, I think I probably have more favorite defenses or favorite players rather than playmakers, rather than a, a team per se. Or, so it is difficult for me. I mean, it, it, even with soccer now, when I watch it, I sometimes become very, you know, I, I have to get up and walk away because I just get involved as if I'm there and coaching. And so it's, it's a personal thing. I don't know for other people. I, I, I have actually spoken to a couple of people who, who feel exactly the same way, but they can put up with it. I, I just find it difficult. I was good. That was going to be my next question. Actually, do you think that's a more that's a quite common thing among coaches? You, like you said, you spoke to a couple, but or do you think it's just it yeah. is rare? But or do you think it is quite common that coaches get so invested in wanting to study plays rather than actually enjoying the plays? Well, I think again, just to make sure, you know, I still enjoy it, but I don't enjoy it like a fan. You know, I can't just get up, walk away, you know, have a drink, sit there, whatever. It's, it's not the same. I've been, you know, I've been very, very fortunate in my career that I've coached at quite a high level. And, you know, you get, you get your occasional VIP tickets and stuff. And, you know, you go and sit and watch a game. And it's very difficult for me uh, to be there, up, up in a stand or in a box. Uh, the sideline is something I'm more comfortable with. And talking to the other coaches, again, being around coaches who are watching at the same time, we end up talking about particular plays and how they executed them and how the players moved, um, you know, and uh, the, the, the wow factor for me is really on their execution rather than the big ball flying down the middle of the field or a, a run breaks. Of course, you jump up and down and enjoy those things. But I think, yes, I think, I think somebody who's into the sport, they watch it in a very different way and somebody who's coached it and somebody who understands the intricacies, I think I'm pretty sure they watch it with different eyes than somebody who's a diehard fan of the team. Or kind, of, kind of sticking with that note then, um, have you noticed a change since you, you like to say you've been coaching since the late 80s now? Have you, and I know you said you don't watch at the NFL as much, but have you noticed a change within the game over here, whether it's whether the bits that you catch of NFL or college football, have you noticed like a an adaption to the game like a is it different to the game now than the game you started coaching um i think i think it is because you know uh because i i obviously i was the generation that watched american football with nicky horn on channel four six o'clock or six thirty on a sunday uh, and and that's how we got into it so i did watch some football as a player 
and I and 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 again, as I said, I I watch football now, but it's not the same way. And I think that um, uh, um, what's the best way to answer that, really? I, so so I have seen the development of football over the last sort of thirty-seven plus years. And we've gone from a very basic, rudimentary, run the ball to developing the passing game to now teams are trying to do everything the NFL does, everything the college does. They try to, you know, run RPOs. They try to run uh, as much four wide receiver stuff as possible. Because when I, when I was first started coaching, it was mostly a two-back system, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end more of a power run game. Now it has become more sophisticated. Also, I think now um, we're attracting uh, more athletes into the sport, uh, whereas before we had enthusiasts who were athletes, but it wasn't the same. You know, sports has developed. Sports in 2020, doesn't matter which genre you are, people now understand uh, performance, high performance, athletes, elite level, etc. So there's a different slant on when people go into sports now and, and what they're willing to commit to it. I think that's interesting what you just touched on there. I think I was going to mention it throughout this interview, any, but speaking of that, the NFL now have that international player pathway, which allows basically yeah. athletes from all around the world to go and step foot into the NFL, like Christian Wade, the English, yeah. uh, former English rugby player that's there now. Yeah. Um, do you think the that's something that needs to be not built on, but do you think there needs to be more of those kind of pathways into the elite level sport, especially for the guys playing over here? I, I think that everybody in life should have an opportunity and as many opportunities as you can get, that's exactly where you should be. So there's a, the, the player pathway with the NFL, the CFL have come over. They're trying to create their player pathway. Uh, there's a, via the NCAA into uh, getting into uh, institutions, college institutions. I think wherever you can find a way to uh, try to achieve your dreams, your desires, there should be that opportunity. And yes, I think expansion of, of those opportunities will only uh, encourage the players to work harder towards their goals because they'll see that there's more than one channel for them to get to the end result. Kind of sticking with that again, do you think um, with our sport, in terms of the American footballers we play over here, or Britball, do you think there's been a noticeable growth in interest within that um, since you've started coaching? Yeah, I, I, absolutely, I absolutely think the growth of interest has been there. The growth of particip participation has been less, but it has been there. Um, I think that... Um, the, big, the biggest thing that I will see is that the advent of social media has exposed us to more people who would be interested. Um, whether we're taking advantage of it or not at grassroots level uh, or at domestic level, that's a different conversation. But absolutely, I think that, uh, yes, things have happened. Social media has happened, more NFL games over here. The kids are playing a little bit more in their schools with flag football and so on. So the exposure is there. It's, it's a global game, isn't it? What do you think, in your opinion, that we need to do to kind of take the sport to the next level over here? Because I think it's fair to say that the NFL, as you just mentioned there, is growing and growing. I mean, the NFL UK games are, we're getting four a year, but that wouldn't surprise yeah. me to see that go growing further. But do you think it's fair to say that we kind of need to look, out, look after our own a little bit, if that makes sense? So 
do we need to go and watch Brit ball games? Do fans over here need to go and do more to like increase the popularity of our game rather than just the global NFL? So you know, so this is a really huge question, and there's there's so many kind of different facets to this. So I'll address a couple of them, right? People are going to be interested when the product is right. We should do everything we can to produce the correct product. It's very difficult in a country that's not, that has so many sports, but is not sports orientated when it comes to uh, inner cities uh, in, in having facilities. You know, if you go, if you, as soon as you go out of London, out of Birmingham, out of Manchester and so on, you're going to find facilities that will cater for having a weights facility, a couple of fields, a little stadium for fans uh, and space. You don't get that in London, which is a little bit more difficult, you know? Um, so we have to get the product right in that sense. We also have to get the product right on what we put on the field, both in appearance and in quality, all right? So there's those, there's those two conversations that need to be expanded on and target set as to how we would achieve that. Then the other side of it is the uh, elite level athlete, which is something that very dear to me because of how long I was a national team coach, is understanding what performance is and understanding what our coaches should be doing in terms of becoming uh, themselves elite coaches. They sh we should be practitioners of the game, of the coaching game, if, if I can say it that way, because um, that it, then you pass on the information to athletes to get themselves ready because the process of getting yourself ready to become elite for me i would compare to being an olympic athlete an olympic athlete has a four-year cycle or an eight-year cycle and what they do is a variation of disciplines to get themselves ready and that's what you have to do in american football you've got to address your nutrition you've got to address your strength you've got to address your speed how much time you put in coaches get you six hours a week maybe maximum that's not enough to make a difference. You've got to do your homework away from there. And that's just at domestic level. Now, if you go to elite level, you've got to start bridging that gap between you and an, an Olympic athlete. And that, to me, is something that we, we should work on. That, you know, and, and again, uh, you know, I've been told sports take time to develop. But that's something that, for me, should be a priority. That our young kids who are coming into the sport who definitely... Want, not everybody wants to be, you know, the, 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 some people just want to be a hobby player and a hobby coach and, and they want to do that on a Sunday, great. But for those who don't, those who want to represent their country, for those who want to do it the right way, and, and I have to tell you, I, I don't, I can't comprehend the hobby side of it because it's one of those sports that if you don't prepare yourself, you can carry an injury for the rest of your life. So you should. And as, as with rugby, as with other sports, if you're going to do it seriously, prepare yourself seriously. So, yes, so those are the kind of two facets, if it answers your question, mm. because it's, it's just a huge subject. What kind of, do you get, like, regular fans then coming to watch you, or is it, is it not really a thing that attracts fans down at, like, the no, London, well, London Olympians? Well, you know, the London uh, Olympians are going through a little bit of a, an evolution because we've been through a period of, uh, a certain period where we haven't uh, really done the, some of the things I've addressed that now that I've gone back uh, to there, and it's not just because of me, it's, you know, we've had discussions, they buy into the way I see things, the way other coaches see things and managers, and we've, we've got a, uh, a kind of culture change going on. 
but I remember we used to in the uh, you, we used to get three four hundred fans. The Ravens used to get twelve hundred odd fans. They were at the stoop in in Twickenham. You know they they used to get fans. But we've never worked at building a fan base. Now with social media and and people who've been in the sport, they're coming forward and saying, you know, coach, we can work on this 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 and this. This will attract people to come to our game. Now we've got to find a little stadia because you don't want them standing around the field. You want them sitting and watching the game. And that's a challenge for us. But I, I, I think, from my experience, if you work hard enough at it, you could absolutely get anything between five and 1,500 supporters watching you if they can made to be feel comfortable, be part of it, and understand that the game itself may have to become a side attraction to other stuff going on. You know, like a pre-game party, post-game party, uh, all, all the, the razzmatazz that goes on so that people stay engaged and involved. Because it is a game that takes a, takes a while to play. You know, it's if you play 15 minutes quarters or 12, playing 12 minute quarters makes a huge difference because the game's shorter, it's a little, it has a little bit more tempo to it and so on. 15 minutes can be drawn out, especially if it's not a, an exciting or a level level playing field for both teams. Do we have, um, forgive my ignorance on the brick ball side of things, but do we have the exact same rules in terms of the NFL? So obviously you've said 12, 15, they might be 12 minute quarters, but yeah. is it the same as college football in terms of one feet inbounds, things like that, or is there noticeable uh, differences? Well, it's just, uh, right. So we play 15 minute quarters. We don't make play 12 minute quarters. As soon as we go to international, we play 12 minute quarters. Okay. Huge culture change for the players and the coaches because now you get less possession and you have to react quicker. Uh, the rules, our rules are NCAA based, I believe, with some changes that are beneficial to us. So it's, we, we have our own rule book, but I think the, the, um, the base comes from NCAA college. Okay, and then just going back to what we were on about in terms of fans, obviously the London, you said the London Olympians used to get a few hundred. In terms of, you've obviously coached the Great Britain Lions, is that is that the mm. same there? Like obviously, when you think of, in any other sport, when you think of the top level, you're expecting like numbers of fans going to watch. Like, yeah, I think, is that the same with the GB Lions? Is that something that's not really, because I, well, to, be, to be honest with you, into looking in, into yourself, like, Great! I didn't realize. I didn't even realize the Great Britain had an American football team. So yeah. there we go. We we don't we we don't do a great job, uh, you know. And and uh, and there's no. It's it's not just the current regime. It's been regimes throughout. We we just haven't we just haven't done a, a, a good job. And it's everybody's responsibility, including me. But um, you know, when when I the Olympians played uh, in Europe. 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 crowd. While I had the GB squad, when we were abroad, I think uh, when we, in 2004, when we won the European Championship uh, at that level, we had something like 5,500 people watching. So there is definitely a difference in culture in Europe, here in Europe, um, where there is more interest in the local side than the national teams, and even with the national competition. Uh, but I, th I still believe, uh, you know, last year I worked with BAFA a little bit and we were going to put on a game. BAFA is the British American Football Association. And I believe we could have driven 2,000 to 3,000 people there. But it requires you need to do that. You need to work on that. It's an event. 
and you've got to understand. And, um, you know, th these are the things we've got to improve on. Um, but I, I think the local, the lo even, even in Europe, the local teams get more support than the international teams. And you'll find when you do a competition, you know, they arrive as a 10-day competition. As you get later into the competition, then you find bigger crowds arrive. Obviously, they play the, the, the game. Sometimes it's an afternoon. It's not convenient. The evening games attract more. And, you know, right at the end, they attract more. But, um, yeah, again, you know, it's something to work on. People are interested. If you can get 70,000, 80,000 people at Wembley, yes, it's the NFL and everything like that. But let's just say if you can get 70,000, 70, we should be able to get 10% of that. Mm. We should be able to. And that's, again an area that you know you really need to put somebody in charge of that you, this here's the game you've got three months work towards that that's what you've got to do i spoke to um jeff reinbold in a previous episode about and he was heavily involved in nfl uk i don't know if that's anything you was ever involved with yourself he spoke so highly of it to be honest with you and it just it just seems like it didn't get the funding from the people at the very top so i think without a doubt that when you have uh the discipline in your country you're going to you're going to grow i, I don't don't have a uh, doubt about that whatsoever and i think that you're absolutely right i think that when i i don't think the nfl really knew where they wanted to go with you know they had the world i don't know if you're familiar but in the 90s they had the world league then they had the nfle and they've tried two different scenarios now what they're doing is they're going with teams coming over uh and and maybe the thinking is that you know that the, the British fan wants the authentic American football. They want to watch their, you know, maybe that's what they want. Um, and so that's an education process as well. I think somewhere along the line, uh, they will probably try and put a, put a franchise into uh, the UK. Um, I'm sure that they will try that. But it's going to, it's going to require a lot of, um, I think it's going to require time, investment, and an understanding that maybe they've got to look at their location on, on, and how they're going to do that. At the moment, their location is great, it's, it's huge, it's, it's for NFL teams, they attract uh, fans from Europe, fly over to, you know, it's a great hub to come to London and stuff like that. But if they're looking for local support, then, you know, the UK support, I, I don't know where that would be. And I'm being very honest about it. I think that you know, some people have said, well, why not Birmingham? Why not Manchester? Why not London? I don't, I think it should go wherever the best support's going to be. I don't know how you work that out, um, but that, that's what I think. But I, but I think that I've been involved in the sport long enough, and I remember in 85, 86, two years, we're going to go professional. We're going to go professional. Well, you know, this is many years later. You know, this is many, many years later. I think there are a lot of different building blocks in order for the UK game to go semi-pro before it even goes professional. And in the same way, I think that the, um, and I could be wrong here, but this is my opinion. I think that when people open a business of any kind in a different market, they need to study that market properly. Because it works for you where you are, it doesn't mean it's gonna work somewhere else. Um, and that could be if you're a Starbucks, Pret-a-Manger, NFL, you know, uh, it's just, it's like taking soccer over to the States, you know, it's, you're going to have some challenges and problems and, and you've got to understand those. And I, I, I hope the NFL being the 
huge monster that it is does those studies and understands because we are a different culture here after all i've just got a very good answer from you out of that despite the fact that i completely messed up with what i was saying because nfl uk is so ingrained in me i was actually i actually meant nfl europe um right because obviously the nfl europe um it was a league until 2000 so yeah, obviously you've you've said a lot on NFL UK there, but in terms of NFL Europe, that's that's something that is well, obviously Jeff Rambo spoke well about NFL UK, but he spoke yeah. very well about NFL Europe and he was very heavily involved yeah. in that. Um yeah. and do you think it, it we need something like that to come back as well? Because obviously then you've got yeah. your own European league as well as the NFL yeah. on its own. So it's kind of, I I was I was too young to even be a part of that or even understand that. But if it was yeah. a thing now, I would 100% watch it. So I think the great thing, you know, I, I was involved in that I would go as an observation coach. I knew the coaches. I knew the coaches that uh, were at the London Monarchs. I knew the guys at the Scottish Claymores. I'm still in touch with them. I still work with a lot of U, U.S. coaches. It was just a great environment for us to pick ourselves up, put in, into that environment for a couple of weeks, uh, learn and come back and, and use what we needed to use. And I thought that... Uh, uh, it created the excitement. It created the excitement. It gave our kids something a little bit more they can reach to. Whereas now they can't actually see, you know, it's not on their doorstep. But of course, the player pathway, both CFL and FL is there. But I thought, you know, just having a team there, being able to, you know, go to Crystal Palace where they're practicing, you know, just walk on, you know, onto the side and just watch a practice. That kind of experience is invaluable. Sitting in on coaches' meetings, invaluable. Uh, you know, one of my mentor coaches is a fellow called uh, Lionel Taylor, not the linebacker, but he was a coach with the Monarchs. He was the head coach. And I still speak to him. I speak to him once a month, maybe, uh, because there is just so much information that people can pass on to you. So I think it's important. Yes, I think, you know, to learn, you need to, uh, you know, you need to hear it, see it, and do it. And I think that. It, that's what that visual gives you. Without those kind of pathways that we have, we've obviously got the international players pathway, which we touched on. But without the more, without having many pathways, is it difficult for our players over here that are playing Britball? Because I, I presume a lot of them do have aspirations of reaching the NFL and CFL. There will be like the ones you say that play it for the hobby, but I presume there are some that really do have the ambitions of reaching the top level. Is it? harder for them to do that playing over here than it would be over in the States? I think that there's more than a few that want to do it. And I think that there are more than, you know, some people may say it's a handful or two handfuls. I think it's more than that, that are capable, uh, given the opportunity. I think that if you're in the States, you're in the culture, you're in that culture. If you're in, if you're in Germany, Sweden, Denmark, um, yeah, they have a certain culture that's ahead of ours. But we, I think, I mean, Great Britain at one time as a team, you know, we were European champions back to back. We were strong. We were the nation where people feared. And we, we unfortunately sat on our laurels a little too long. But I think that um, what, we, what we need to do is create an environment for those kids to excel in. And if they don't, if they don't quite make the NFL pathway or they don't quite make uh, being seen or talent spotted, they've actually had a journey that will qualify them for 
the Great Britain team or other elite events. Um, and that, I think, um, would, would really help us because we don't have a clear pathway at the moment. We don't have a, you know, from our youth system to our seniors elite level, we don't have a clear pathway which we need to develop, you know, so, so that when, when a kid enters, enters the sport, he's got a clear path all the way to the national team. And in between, he can be cherry picked for the NFL pathway or CFL or NCAA college, any of this. And, and that would help create a higher level of athlete and help and, and raise their expectations and understand that they have an opportunity in the UK to develop themselves. Uh, but without a doubt, if you could get into a high school in the States, you're in a much better environment to develop yourselves. Have you actually coached any guys yourself that have made the leap? I've been very fortunate. I've worked with 17, 18 kids who made NFL Europe and played in NFL Europe. Uh, I've worked with uh, two kids who played in the NFL. One, who's, one who uh, was with a very young age worked with me. Uh, I worked with him. He was a really nice guy. Went to the Steelers, won a Super Bowl with them. We've got one young fellow now who's a coach with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and again, you know, I touched a fraction of their life. Uh, the Olympians, it was we did a fraction. But it, whatever we did, that helped them keep going. So I feel very lucky. I mean, during the NFL Europe days, it was fantastic. I mean, it was sometimes a worry because I didn't know if I was going to lose three of our players or four or one. Do you know what I mean? It was, mm. But it, that's what it's about. It's about developing those guys so that they can live their aspirations and dreams. And, and it takes the Olympians. You know, the Olympians are, for me, I mean, that's my one and only club. Uh, apart from Great Britain, that, that's who I gave everything to. to so I've been very fortunate that, yes, I've, I've worked with kids who've done that, coaches who are coaching in the States. Uh, it's been amazing. What's your goals uh, from here then, moving forward? What, how long are you planning on staying in the game and whatnot? Well, you know, Ben, I didn't expect to be in this position. All right, Last year, I joined the uh, 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 British American Football Association. I was asked to come in and do some work with them. Uh, and the early part, I really enjoyed. Uh, and I thought to myself, you know, the, the, the pathway for me now is to use my experience to help set up that elite program to try and work the futures program because I wanted to see the kids who are 18 who couldn't quite make the senior uh, national team have a, a place where they could develop. Uh, so that was going to be for 18 and 23 year olds. Uh, so I really didn't expect and, and that unfortunately uh, didn't uh, flourish in properly for us. But I didn't expect to come back and be coaching at the Olympians. What, what happened was that uh, February this year I was contacted and you know, just just told some things about where the club is right now and what we've got to do. And I said, well, look, I'm, I'm in no condition to really want to coach. I'd pretty much retired and just wanted to pass on information, be a mentor, help wherever I could, dip in and out of football if I could do that. Because the only way I do football is 100 miles an hour and I get consumed by it. Uh, you know, I have a business to run, etc. but I do get consumed by it. So... Uh, the path for me has been to go back and I've fallen in love with football again. I've fallen in love with uh, being able to organise and motivate kids and motivate coaches to try and do the things they want to do and achieve. Uh, because the sport's been very good to me. 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not far off from a very, 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 very big birthday. And at some point, I'm going to have to think about, you know, what do I want to do? But I think it makes me feel young. It makes the hair on my neck stand. Um, I'm very proud. I'm very, very proud of what we did with the Great Britain team and the Olympians. And it's, uh, you know, just as a side issue, just to tell you, you know, when I was a kid, I suffered a lot of racism, a lot of bullying because of racism. Because I was born in Scotland, by the grace of God, uh, to uh, an immigrant. I'm a second generation immigrant. I was brought to South London and I had a broad Scottish accent. I was the color of the skin was not appreciated by everybody. And I grew to hate the Union Jack. It was not my thing whatsoever. And in 95, when I became the head coach of the GB squad because of American football, I thought, how, how am I going to do this? Because every time I looked at the Union Jack, it meant something completely different to me. And I made up my mind to tell people, you know, guys, our, our colours are red, white and blue. And you are all purple. Everybody in this room is purple. But our colours are red, white and blue. Okay? And that's how we're going to approach this. Because I had Scottish kids, and there was sectarianism amongst them. Right? You know, you had up there, that's, you know, that was still there in, in the early days. And it was my way and football, American football's way of saying, you could use this situation to re-own the flag. And now I am so proud of the Union Jack. All those memories have gone. The Union Jack, the national anthem, still gives me a buzz. The hair stand up on the back of my neck. So it, it, a, <laughs> a long answer to what you asked. My job now is to develop as many kids and coaches at the Olympians that can represent their country, proud to be here, proud to serve at GB Lions, try to get them into the NFL if that's where they want to go, or the coaches. But most of all, just work with men to be better people, you know, become, and women, you know, I've worked with women's football as well. So I think that's what it's for me. For me, it's to help people grow, use my experience, let them lean on me, share the knowledge, We've started a little organization called Hashtag Share the Knowledge. Try to get people, young coaches on board, get them to understand what they've got to do because there are people out there, like you said, that I don't think are being served properly uh, that, that want to take this sport to, the, to a higher level. All right? Uh, and, and, and let me address that again. When I say not being served properly, they're being served, but there's some areas that I know of that I can help them with. That's what I'm talking about. What would you say then to someone? Um, not even they don't even have to be an American football fan, but someone that wants to get involved with sport and think, or oh, even someone like me that said at the beginning of this, I've not got the stature to it. What uh, for American football? What What would be your advice to someone that's even come contemplating going to try out for an American football team over here? I I think my answer to you, Ben, would be this: right, whatever you want to do in life put your foot forward and do it. Whether it be American football, whether it be hockey, whether it be, whatever it is, unless you throw yourself in it, you're not going to know. You do not buy a car unless you test drive it. You've got to test drive stuff. You've got to do that. And I would say to any and everybody, don't live by your fears. Move forward. Get into it. See what happens. You know, I, I was worried about coming back into American football. And I've had the best uh, four months of my life, 20 weeks. We've been doing this 20 weeks now, our, our process. And I've had the best. And, and COVID has been hard. But there was an opportunity in COVID to try and use that time to do positive stuff. 
So if you want to come down, Ben, do you live in London? I live far from London, I'm afraid. I live in basically Sheffield. So quite Hey, quite I know people in Sheffield look after you. I know people in Sheffield who could look after you. You can you send me those links it. and I'll go and I'll go and check yeah. it out. <laughs> you know, you've, just, you've just got to try it. It's not for everybody, you know? But that's like, you know, it's uh, when I first started American football, they played it in the winter. And if they'd continued to play it in the winter, I may have given up because who wants dirt, mud in their mouth, snow on your helmet, fingers frozen. But when they moved it to the summer, it was fantastic, you know? So I'm a bit of a fair weathered person as so well. I always hated, I love football, but I, as in soccer, but I always hated playing in the uh, rainy months and whatnot. So yeah. it might, might yeah. be more for me. Um, yeah. Just one last thing then for people, well, for people that are more interested as well, you obviously touched on how you can get involved, but what can we search online? So you, the British American Football Association, how do we find everything, whether it's London Olympians yeah. or whatnot? Well, if you, if you want to find, generally, if you're all over the UK, all you've got to do, I think, is just go to British American Football Association and uh, they, they have links in there. If you want to play, they've got a little tab, you can just... Uh, click on that and you'll find your local team uh, if you're if you're in London uh, the outskirts uh, you're more than welcome LondonOlympians.com uh, you can find me on Twitter Rick Ayub, uh at Rick Ayub, R-I-Q-A-Y-U-B whatever whatever is easy to find if you put in LondonOlympians.com you'll find the team so it's it's it, it, that side if it's actually really good I think people can just you know these days Google has the answer for everything doesn't it Absolutely. Well, it's been a knowledgeable experience for me. I've learned a lot more and I appreciate you very much for coming on, Rick. So uh, I think we'll call it a day there, but thank you very much. And I'm glad that we'll finish this without my dog barking like mad like he was at the beginning and your parcel's not been delivered. So uh, <laughs> maybe he was right. interested in what he was interested in what he was saying or, or he's got his paws over his ears. He doesn't want to hear what I've got to say. <laughs>